Hello everybody and welcome to episode 85 of Link to the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera. On the show this week, all best style award categories have been won at a canter by Cuphead. I share a tale of storybook adventure on the high seas. Andrew House leaves Sony after 27 long years. Updates galore. And in the book club this week we get colourful as hell with Peggle. Let's start the show. This is episode 85 of Link to the Cast from your friends at linktothecast.eu, available on all your favourite podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Podcast Addict and Stitcher. I'm your party host, as always, Dave Ryan, joined as I am uh, every week on the armchair now by Mark Robinson. The tables have turned, my friend. Last week's paradigm-shifting seating arrangement has taken hold. How are you feeling, them? I'm not gonna lie, I'm absolutely exhausted. Yeah, you've had a week. <laughs> it's been, it's been a seven days or so. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna go in, into the specifics because you know that's probably would be legally. Uh, it's a bit too inside baseball for the airwaves. Bit. Yeah, <clears throat> um, but your man had some uh, decisions to make about life and stuff, and yeah, uh, yeah it's been it's been a hell of a ride. Mm. Um, but the good news is I'm going to have money. Yeah. And that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. So for those of you who can piece together that, <laughs> those clues there and follow Mark at Lithium Project on Twitter, you could probably figure out the kinds of things he's referring to there <laughs> without too much, without any sort of Rosetta Stone. It's, uh, it's fair to say that the last 10 months of, uh, of, of, sh- a certain amount of struggling you know yeah. um it's all come to fruition so mm-hmm. i'm very happy with that yeah speaking of long struggles mm. i've had a good day yeah i now own my house you do that's pretty crazy <laughs> that's a thing yeah so again not to get too inside baseball but uh i have spent about i i was figuring it out today about 10 years trying to figure out the like the processes and liabilities and things like that that will eventually lead me to a point where I have my name on the deeds for my house. Yeah. Um, and it has cost a lot of time, a lot of money, and re- becoming unfortunately fluent with legal jargon I could and should have lived my entire life without knowing. <laughs> like, I'm your boy on, like, capital gains tax, capital acquisitions tax, yeah. yeah, and the liabilities thereof. I was telling a friend of the show, Jack Lazell, all about it today, but, like I said, I won't get too inside baseball, but it's a, it's a real fucking relief to have that over with. It's something that, like, I moved back here nearly six years ago, and we were all expecting that it would have been solved before I even moved back here. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I haven't dealt a lot with the actual purchasing or the actual signing of, of deeds and documents when it comes mm. to houses let um, alone in my particular messy situation yeah yeah um it wasn't straight up i want that house no. i'll buy it um i but i'll take a wild stab in the dark and say it's not something that you can figure out over a weekend no no 
No, I think my favourite highlight of the, the whole 10 years was that I had to take an insurance policy out against myself in case I screwed me out of my house. <laughs> but uh, that's... Uh, it's not love the legal system. Vince, man, Vince didn't screw Dave. No, yeah, Dave, Dave screwed, screwed Dave. Dave. But uh, yeah, <clears throat> not to get too too deep into that. But that that was pretty cool. We got ourselves new couches as well. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you're sitting on it. I'm yeah, still, damn right, yeah. damn right. Um, well, <clears throat> the thing was, we got so my 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 girlfriend's folks were getting rid of their couches, which, as you can attest to, are perfectly fine. Uh, the decent as is, couches. they just got a an incredible deal on brand new furniture, so they they jumped at it while those they could. fucking baby boomers! I swear to God. And I was just like, yeah, I'll take those because our our cat has kind of made shit of the the three seater couch we have here. Um, so I took them. Uh, didn't consider how absolutely arduous the process of moving heavy furniture was. Because uh, I've moved stuff before, like I've moved beds. Dave, and you're shit. now officially a man. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> and that was that was really excruciating. But you will have a new couch to sit on in the future. We have the other couch. I just didn't figure out until it was far too late in the process yesterday that I could have fit the other couch in here. Because I was going, oh, there's no way with Mark's stuff that I would get the couch in here. And then I said, Tom, it's fine. We won't figure it out. We'll just throw the couch out into the shed until I can figure it out. And you go home. Threw the couch out into the shed. He went home. I sat down. I'd say within 30 seconds I'd figured it out. <laughs> and I was like, for fuck's sake. <laughs> but yeah, no, a good week. And I'm off to Germany on Friday as well. So, um, And I'm off to Kilkenny. So. Hey, good times. <laughs> good times. We we talked about you were you were asking for travel tips, mm. so we'll have we'll have a couple of travel we've logs instead of cocaine before on the show, I believe. Cocaine, Kil- yes. <laughs> Tell you what, I can absolutely go for some Charlie right now. <laughs> Give me some of that white pony, so that horse. Yeah. Uh, no, Kilkenny. You Kilke- pro- yeah, because I was down there. Yeah, uh, the castle a month or so ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, do the tour of the castle mm-hmm. and tell me if they do the quiz about which of the bookcases is the original and there's six bookcases in a room and they tried to get you to pick the original and why. So do I actually have to try and pay attention to stuff that's been like... Well, no, it's the only room with large bookcases with glass panes in them. Right, okay. They'll try to ask you to figure out which one is the original one. Cool. And uh, only like people who would know very very particular fact would know because oh. they're very good I, I was thinking if this was like an Indiana Jones and the Holy Grail kind of thing where you go for the, the least yeah you won't one. get let out of the castle unless you get it right, right so cool. okay. fingers crossed mate we'll see okay. you again on the show cool. as long as my face doesn't melt off at the end of it <laughs> shall we talk about video games oh go on then playing this week hey check it out I learned the baseline from Final Fantasy 2 Scott you are the salt of the earth oh thanks I meant scum of the earth. Thanks. Uh, I'm going to take it first this week, my friend. Go on in. Um, I have a little game to talk about. Um, that I kind of picked up based on the... Sometimes I'll pick things up. Uh, it's a kind of a actually a running theme in the, um, in the playing this week segment. Uh, and that's picking up games based at least uh, primarily on art style. Yeah. And uh, I came across this game on the PlayStation Store, and the first thing that made it made me laugh was the title. And then I just purchased the game because I actually looked at some of the videos, and it looked good. <clears throat> and it's a game uh, called Burly Men at Sea. Burly Men at Sea. Gotta look it up now. Okay. Uh, got it on the PS4. Uh, I believe it was an Android game originally, and I played it so much, although it's it's not that long. That I actually uh, I got the platinum last night in it. So it's um, 
the best way I can put it is it's that it's it's a wordless, uh, as in spoken word. There is written word, but it's a wordless uh, interactive storybook. It's both animated like and plays out like uh, a storybook that you'd read a child. Yeah, and it's about three burly bearded men who are kind of adventurers uh, or sailors of, of some sort and it's about the the adventure and the, the they go on this adventure on the sea anyway and the the mechanics of the game are really simple because you just you go into these the the the, the hood of the game is really simple it's a it's just a circle where around the edges of the frame of the circle are all whited out. There's nothing outside the circle for you to see. And you move your characters by using the right stick or the shoulder buttons to move the circle right. And they will follow the circle. So it's like it's it's just like a moving camera lens almost. Uh, and then you will click on things to interact with them. And then you will make some choices that will kind of uh, branch out where your story will end. Um the the big appeal of the game is its charm both in its visual style its music um the sound design broadly as well because there are things where i think i said this to you where there's some sound effects in the game that are clearly people making the sound effects with like so there's a guy who's working um i don't know if he's making horseshoes or what he's doing but he's he's hammering away at an anvil anyway inside in his shop in the in the game and it was it took me a couple of seconds, but it was a man's voice going, chink, <laughs> chink, as he's doing it. Um, and there's this lovely kind of whimsical um, soundtrack to it as well. That just kind of, if you think of a kind of nice, light, childish adventure on the high seas, that's the kind of music you're looking at. Just kind of like very much uh, a beach or sea level in a 90s platformer yeah. or in a wind you know, or I, something i'm looking at the visual style of this and i've got the the the, the lighter more poppier cigarros kind of thing going yeah, in my head yeah because like it it there's a sort of scandinavian yeah look there, oh there's definitely a the scandinavian visuals. theme yeah like just in the the tone and, and the, some of the yeah. like you encounter like different sea monsters and stuff like that and some of them are like you know kind of I would imagine are part of Scandinavian legend and yeah, that yeah. fairy tale legend in general, but like fairy tales are a concept that kind of have a lot of Scandinavian influence on them anyway. Yeah. Um, each playthrough in its entirety is probably only about 30 minutes. Okay. But here's where the, the kind of different wrinkles comes in. So you finish your, your story and you go into a cutscene where you kind of come back in the back of one of the buildings in the village you started in. So your your journey basically takes you around in a full circle, uh, regardless of which branching paths you take. And you interact with the librarian in the town. And a book goes up on a shelf that tells the story of your tale based on the map you bring back. So you bring back the map to the, the librarian. And each choice you make is noted by a symbol on the map. And that map is compiled into a book. So the book goes on the shelf and he kind of says to you, there are many more branching paths that you can take, many different decisions you can make that will change the ending of the story, that will change the people you meet along the way. So it encourages you to go back and redo the story over and over again. And each time it is slightly different. Like sometimes you will get to the same ending, the exact same ending. Sometimes it will vary slightly. The things that vary more are the the interactions you have in the 
in the kind of in between A and B. It's kind of one of those things where it's less about the destination and more about the journey. Yeah, does it give you any kind of indication that there's X amount of different endings or anything like to keep track? Yeah, well, there's like, there's very basic, um, like the end ending. There's only, I think, like two, maybe three variations on it. And it's not really, they're not really that different. But it's the kind of, it's the stuff that's like the, shall we say, the climactic moment of the story arc will come right before that. Because it's almost like the the ending ending is your reset point to go back to the start of the game. So that doesn't matter as much as like, who's the last person you meet along the journey before that ending ending. Is one of the endings a corgi with headphones on in the production studio? No, sadly not. No, sadly not. Um... But one of the one of the really cool things this game does, apart from the like the music, which is great, it's really relaxing. Like to just, I would recommend over your headphones and just like lie back in your chair and listen to the music. The I I think the much like the best fairy tales or storybooks that you read, kids, there's enough kind of light comedy in it, like without being fourth wall breaking or anything like that, that uh it will give an adult a chuckle at kind of you know the the like the three characters just alone like one of them is called steady beard one of them is called brave beard you know that's that's the the length of it you meet some very weird characters like there's some ghosts sitting in on the inside of a whale's stomach you're in a very kind of like a <laughs> geppetto situation or a um what's the other there's another story about a, a being stuck in a whale anyway um you meet this like you meet uh, a grim reaper who's fairly downtrodden but you have a really interesting interaction with him and end up in a race with him you know there's been a lot of interesting takes on the grim reaper over the last <laughs> yeah. few years i feel um but it's really cool and yeah this this is the this is the wrinkle on it that i think is the real ingenious thing this game does so i said when you reach the end of each particular variation of the story you go back i think there are it's either I'm trying to visualize the shelf in my head where they have the completed endings, and I think it's either nine or ten permutations of your story. Yeah. So there can be nine or ten different stories. Now sometimes there are commonalities between those stories, like the story will always start in the same village, will always start with you getting your boat and sailing east. After that is where things sometimes branch off, and like say there might be a common point between story two and story four or things like that. But there will always be one unique element in each of the nine or ten branches. Um, but when you look at the completed shelf, or when you look at the shelf when you've only done two or three or anything like that, when you look at the endings that are already up on your shelf, there's a little code. And if you go on to, it, it prompts you to go onto a website. And if you go onto a website, enter that code. So say, this is a really cool idea for like fathers and sons that play through the game. If you go onto the website and enter the code, you can order the storybook of that story. <laughs> and it will have done it all out with all the lines of dialogue, all the uh, animation cells of the different people you meet, like it was just a, a storybook. And then I think it's a real special thing that, like you know, like I said, a father and a son or a father and daughter, mother and daughter, mother and son, whatever combination. Like, you can go, well, this is a really special book because this was based on the decisions we made when we did the playthrough that's of really this game. clever that's really i cool. think it's really cool it's like it's taken that idea that you know jackbox games is tko yeah that we've played where you can actually order the, the t-shirt. t-shirt yeah 
uh, with the code. It's taking that idea of taking something from your unique playthrough of a game and turning it into something tangible that mm. you can put on a shelf or wear or anything like that. I think it's a really clever idea, especially for like a smaller studio who I imagine they've figured out a way to get costs down on making those storybooks and mailing them out. So this would be a nice way for them to earn extra revenue. Um, so yeah, really, really <laughs> thoroughly See, recommend. I, I like this idea. <coughs> Excuse me. I like this idea of having um, something tangible, something that's you know real associated with a game yeah. that isn't just a pre-order purchase made, yeah. you know, but something that you've actually invested in within the game. Yeah, yeah, and it, like I said, it's it's short, it's really bite-sized. Um, I've seen. I, it, there's literally no combat or anything to it. It is just a kind of like an interactive storybook. Yeah, well, I think because it's not a walking sim. Either, no, but really. seeing that it's, it's on Android, you know, it means that the game has to be made in mind that controls have to be kept to a minimum, relatively simple. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's literally like you have a cursor, and you, like I said, use the the cursor to interact with people or things. And you use the right stick or the shoulder buttons to pan the the lens. Cool. So you pretty right just drag move your characters around. So cool. That sounds really interesting. I'll, yeah. I'll look at that. I really really liked it. Like I wouldn't say it's a nine or a ten, but like a, a solid eight from me. But I it's think. a really unique concept. Oh, I've genuinely I've seen things that have done. I've seen elements things. of these of what's in here before like i said tko with the merchandising of yeah, a of yeah. an intangible and i've seen walking sims and interactive storybooks before but i don't think i i don't think i've seen a game that combines all those things and targets them this is a very specific market it's targeted to the idea of the kind of like that getting in at that that niche area of people who really like either want to find a something like a fairy tale to play with their kids or someone who is like me who I don't have a child but I reminisce quite fondly on when I used to read storybooks when I was small so I I got something out of it even though I don't have a kid so again thoroughly recommended Mark I think I know what game you want to talk about (laughs) I wrote I didn't even ask you this week what you've been playing this week because I wanted to put this just before that I will quickly make a, a quick mention of a really fucking dumb but genius game I've been playing called Freeways, okay. which is made by the guy that made Desert Golfing. Um, okay. Did you play Desert Golfing at all? No, I think you told me about Desert Golfing. Yeah, so though. me and Jack played Desert Golfing, which has about 64,000 holes, and so every fucking day I'd be sending a screen grab to Jack saying, hey, I'm on hole 348, and he'd be sitting back <laughs> saying, well, I'm on 400, motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> basically, it's a motorway simulator. It looks like it was made for the Atari 2600. Um, you need to, um, on an individual map, you'll have like exit and entry points, and you need to basically just connect all of these roads together um, and make it seamless so that you don't end up with uh, a jam of cars, basically, a log jam. Um, it's madly addicting, kind of in that uh, roller coaster tycoon sort of way, where you can kind of just keep like changing and modifying things. Um, and like once you've uh, made the map, you basically you press the the stopwatch button, and that sets it on a, a kind of quick timer that speeds everything up, uh, just to see sort of how fluid your uh, motorway network is. Basically, mm-hmm. um, it's it's ridiculous. It's I think it's only a couple of quid on Android and iOS. Um, I've been playing it for about a week now, and. Uh, basically you start off with like one screen and then once you've unlocked that you end up with uh, like the 
one, two, three, four, five, six, eight screens around it, and there are like individual maps. And then so basically the kind of the the bigger map overall kind of pans out, mm. and so you see all of the different like networks that you've made, and it's just a fucking mess of roads. Yeah, I saw your you you had a screen grab yeah. on the Twitter.com today. That looked like a whole hot mess. And that's one of the good ones. Yeah. But it's the idea that, like, as you make make more of these networks and you learn tricks of the trade, like the, how to use flyovers and roundabouts correctly, you mm-hmm. keep going back to, like, the old ones that you've done because you think, right, I can refine it and make it better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, super, like, simple concept, but uh, kind of in the same way that Desert Golfing is very, very simple. But yeah. Really, really, really enjoying it. Anyway, so... <laughs> the main event. Cuphead. <laughs> so, I remember seeing this a good couple of years ago, immediately seeing the art style of it, and just thinking... You did, no, you weren't here yet. It was no, the summer before yeah. you moved over that it got... Uh, just immediately seeing that 1930s Walt Disney yeah. uh, uh, cartoon art style, and yeah. just thinking, okay, I've never seen anything like this. We, we watched it over here, because you know, we have the E3 parties here yeah. every year. Um, myself, Ben, Dan, and Brian, um, I think it was just the four of us, watched it. And, like, normally we're talking over and just talking shit on conferences, particularly because this was during the Microsoft conference. Yeah. And normally we're just burying things that are ridiculous because there's so many inherently ridiculous things about E3. When the Cuphead trailer came on, you could have heard a fucking pin drop <laughs> in the room. <laughs> like by the end, it was like oh my god yeah this looks amazing and so that's been that's one of those kind of development hell games which is really like Three years, the case of everything on microsoft at the moment yeah but it's actually out um and so like all of the the previews that we've had with the different builds over the years have been a case of it's really cool but it's just a boss rush game it doesn't have a lot of meat it doesn't have a lot of substance um, I now, think the the real criticism with the early builds was that people really didn't like the plat. Excuse me, the platforming. Yeah, and I've Apparently, seen some of the, I've seen earlier some of the builds. Now. The 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 controls were were really loose. Yeah, and, and I've still seen some criticism with the game up and with with the release now. Um, I've only played two three hours i'm on the second world because obviously it's your xbox one so yeah. i don't know how much further you've gotten i haven't gotten any further okay i right. haven't really had time <laughs> okay fair like because it's one of those games where imagine as that, i'm sure I, you're about, imagine that signing a house takes up time yeah but as i'm sure you're about to get into it's not the kind of game you can just pick up for 10 minutes <laughs> like no. especially for someone like me who will need to train because it is quite a difficulty curve and i'm not yeah. I don't play difficult platformers that much anymore. Um, I will need to sit down like for a couple hour stint and firstly get over my rage when I die. Yeah. Uh, and then secondly, just yeah. get good, See, as the kids say. It's the kind of game that I really like, kind of like a, a Super Meat Boy, where you're if you get stuck on a level, it's only a couple of minutes and you just you learn the routine, you know? Yeah. And even if you're spending like two hours on uh, one particular level... You just get into the cycle yeah. of it, and you're just like, I'm going to beat this, and I don't care how long it takes yeah, me to do. I, I beat maybe half the first island, so I definitely... I can speak with you on, like... Once you've done a couple of boss rushes and a couple of running guns, you know what the game is. And yeah. after that, it's just seeing cool new designs and sharp spikes in difficulty. Yeah. Um, but the, the general core concept of the game is that you have... Uh, 
two different types of levels. You either have uh, a boss, which is split into they're called, several. Are they, are they called boss battles? Something on this. like that. Yeah, but they're but they're they're boss rushes. Yeah, but it's split into several different stages. Whether you, either you have the one boss that has its transformations, or you have Dark a number, style. or you have a number of different bosses. Um, and it's basically a case of you uh, have three hits. You, I think you can get more. You can get you can upgrades. get you can get a fourth HP hit uh, from pork rind, yeah. the, the vendor. Is that in the, game. the expense of something? But it's a your damage goes down. Right, right. Um, and so you just you need to to kill the enemy without dying yourself. Um, and so you with each part of the that's state, where I've been going wrong. I've been dying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and with each part of the boss, you have to figure out. It, the pattern um and it's that just it's the grind and the repetition trial and error figuring out with each stage okay this is what you need to do getting past that part of the stage or part of the boss and then getting on to the next part and you just kind of slowly bit by bit you like what i really like about it is that if you do die um, it brings up a counter at the end and it shows you how far along the boss battle you are. And there have been multiple occasions where <clears throat> I will say one of my favourite things to, about this game is that it's a really fun game to watch being played. <laughs> yeah, it is. Like, it's, it's definitely more pure fun to watch it being played than it is to play it. Like, it is a stressful experience mm. to play. But uh, sitting here, like I, I fully like watched you play it for two and a half hours, About I'd say, that, yeah. and I was wildly entertained the entire time. <laughs> like normally, if I'm watching somebody play a game, I'm itching to play myself, or yeah. I'm getting bored just watching. I was having a fucking whale of a time, and there were several occasions where, in that progress bar, you were so close to the finish line of the boss rush that both of us were just shouting at the television. <laughs> Um, but the the obvious thing to take away from it is that this game picks a fucking style. Oh my god! It nails it. Like just from the opening, like the the crackle of the damaged film reel, uh, and that kind of like that that sheen of old projector reel that just sticks in the game the whole way throughout. Like you said, the nineteen thirties animation style. Um, the the opening cutscene that kind of explains it in a like storybook really is the theme of the segment this week, but like opens up a storybook and tells you about the the uh, the, the the lives of uh, Cuphead and Mugman, um, and the, the the real kind of knockout for me, apart from the, the animation, is that the music. Yeah, it's that that like big band, big brass section band sort of jazzy. Yeah. Just my goodness oh, me. The King Dice theme. <laughs> you really is. Oh my you, god! You are a fan of that. But that's the thing. Like I told you, it was a fucking jam. Yeah. And you went in to meet up with Mr. King Dice, and we just stood there till the whole song played out. And it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. It's proper, proper reminiscent again of that early Walt Disney sort of where the music is like telling the story or is the actual dialogue being used. Certainly for those kind of yeah, silent movies. It's their 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 exposition songs. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. it's it's Mr. King Dice singing about him being Mr. King Dice. And why you've come to meet with him. He's the devil's right-hand man. Because the, the overarching story that you learn in the, the, the storybook at the very start is that Cuphead and Mugman went to the devil's casino, lost their souls, uh, and now to kind of make sure they, they that they aren't forfeit to the devil and Mr. King Dice, they're basically bounty hunters. And they're going collecting the souls of all these bosses in exchange for their own freedom, presumably. Yeah. Um, so that's the kind of the loose the story couldn't be any less important <laughs> like you know basically like set up here we go yeah and so these these bosses like there is 
a, a nice blend of like you have moments where there is platforming you have moments where it goes into like bullet hell um oh there certainly are there are the particularly in those plain ones yeah there is the the r type um shoot em up type levels yeah. as well yeah think 1930s resogun for people who don't yeah, get the yeah, r type yeah. reference uh, so it you know even though they are boss rushes no two boss battles are the same you no, know no. like there's the one with the the woman and she has the different kind of confectionery sweets that are trying to kill you like that's yeah. split into like four mini boss sections and then like yeah. a final boss section and all of those are completely different and yeah and, and the there was a couple you... of times where like you died and in the next turn there was a couple of other tricks that that boss had up its sleeve that obviously you were getting through the phases before they had time to reveal their full arsenal. Yeah, yeah. You know I mean, because they all have, they all seem to have like short range, medium range, and long range attacks based on where you're trying to hide. Um, yeah. There's a couple of like I've seen that there's a couple of bosses that are reminiscent of like they're not not necessarily like straight ripoffs, but that are characteristic of bosses you'd find in other really tough platformers. Like the one I'm particularly thinking of is the the bouncy ball boss. Yeah, is very like something like a like a turned up to ten version of something out of a fucking Sonic game. Oh no, it'd be Mega Man. I, yeah, Mega Man as well. Yeah, there's yeah. like th- I can think of about three boss battle uh, like robot masters off the top of my head that use that exact like yeah, attack yeah. pattern. So. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a game that, like, if I had the time this week, I would just be intent on finishing it because yeah. it's like I like games where there is that real sort of sense of accomplishment. Um, mm-hmm. that aren't called Dark Souls because fuck Dark Souls. Um, I tried, I tried Sean McGee, I yeah. tried <laughs> with Dark Souls three. I really want to like those games because uh, just... I love the aesthetic yeah. and and the the kind of the the world building they do, but. Fuck man i just i can't do it anymore um but i i want to have this game finished and like come the end of the year we'll i mean it's a very mark robinson game you know yeah um i get the feeling i don't care how hard the game gets like i could easily well it i could easily set as a top five game for me maybe yeah. even higher yeah but i can definitely see why there will be some people that like just fuck this game i can see based on the, the panel we're probably brewing for game of the year like my my expectation for cuphead is that i would be in great support of it finishing well on a game of the year list because i very much appreciate the craft that's gone into the game i appreciate a lot about the game and my only mark against the game really is that I'm personally not good enough at this game <laughs> yeah. to explore it myself to its full potential. Um, so, so I could see that the, the panel would probably see it that way where they'd be kind of happy. Like, remember last year, the couple of passion projects we had where they kind of, Jack and Barry allowed us to let Super Hot and Stardew Valley finish higher than maybe they would have mm. because the two of them hadn't played either of them really. Yeah. Um, I, I can see it being your passion project in the trying to get it up the charts this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I want to have it finished first before yeah, I... Yeah, like, obviously, you know. it could completely fucking fall apart. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, but from all from everything that I've seen from the, the reviews, it's... The only complaint is just it gets, like, the difficulty spike. The, difficulty the fucking genie. I mean, that's only on the second world. Oh, mother was, of God. Like, yeah. just watching that one, I was, like, but, sweating. Um, but I just, I want to see each of the, 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 the stages, the boss levels, the boss designs. Just the, I just want to see everything because, that they've yeah, made. Because you know? every time, like, you look at the boss, and even though they are whomping you, it's just, it's so impressive. Yeah, like, like the, the level the things, of creativity. The, the engine, like, that genie boss. Like, the, the bit where, like, he 
turns into a sarcophagus and the sarcophagus opens and you can see the like the endless blackness of space and yeah. there's some sort of weird kind and of like he's almost lovecraftian monster reaching out from inside well, and, and his eyes kind of pop out and then they turn into like mini versions of saturn and like they start yeah, like yeah. rotating up and down and there's the bit where there's like the illuminati pyramids yeah. like floating around there you is, and there is a lot going on with that oh there's so much part. like it that's i suppose one thing that gives people just watching it the edge over people playing it is that i can take in the full picture of what's going on in yeah, every corner I, whereas you're focused on what's coming headlong at you not die yeah like i'd probably recommend for you to even appreciate the game further is that once you beat it go watch somebody do a full playthrough of I it i tell you what to see the things you've missed i tell you what when they do awesome games done quick in yeah. i think like early next year mm-hmm. and some monster finishes cuphead in like 25 minutes yeah yeah that's gonna upset me um because one of the one of the details i didn't notice for ages that is like one of my favorite things in a game this year is when you're in those r-type levels and cuphead's wearing tiny little goggles and it's the most adorable (laughs) thing ever um but yeah cuphead it's it's proper good it's not for the faint at heart that's for sure and so Uh, if you're not somebody who likes and is fairly proficient at uh those kind of boss rush or or hard platforming games I wouldn't bother if I were you. If, like, Super Meat Boy and Old School Mega Man are your jam, then this is probably up your straza. So, King Dice Character of the Year? Oh, it's, it's, it's tough to say otherwise, really. Like, so far. And I like, I like when you talk to Borkrind and you're like, Welcome! (laughs) Hello! (laughs) Goodbye! It's great. By the way, uh, I just uh, Googled it there. Someone's already managed to beat uh, Cuphead in 37 minutes. Yeah, I've seen those articles already appearing. <laughs> that uh, is... Everyone needs a hobby. Um, yeah, so that's that's Cuphead anyway. Uh, gets a, I, I, I think maybe a, a recommendation with caveats, I think, is the best way to go. Like, it is going to be one of the games of the year for people who are really into that type of game. Mm. You know what I mean? Anyway... Let's move on and talk about the news. News on the mark. First up this week, I think this is a nice segue. Let's move from a Mark Robinson game into a Mark Robinson game. <laughs> Stranger Things. Did you watch Stranger Things? Uh, I did. Yep, I watched it. I, me and Laura I can't remember because you're, you're not a big TV watcher. No, me and Laura, we uh, just plowed through it all in one day. Yeah. So fucking good. So that was like the big hit for Netflix in, in 2016 was, was Stranger Things. And Stranger Things 2 is coming out October 27th this year. Yep. Looking forward to it. All in one day, Mark. Super Mario Odyssey, Wolfenstein 2, Stranger Things 2. (laughs) You'll not fucking see me for days. Anyway, uh, there's a Stranger Things mobile game coming out that'll be available on iOS and Android. And I thought this looked... What this reminded me of, if you want to have a look at the trailer or any screen grabs for yourself, this very much feels like an adventure game on the Game Boy Color. Yeah. That's that that's what it is. And like I I I really like the look of this game and there's a really cool six eight or sixteen bit version of the Stranger Things theme going over this trailer. Um I think this is a really promising little mobile game. Uh that seems to have a bit of, a bit of thought gone into it. Um it's it's free, and one of my favorite things about it is that not only is it free, but there will be no in-app purchases. 
And when the second season of the show drops on October 27th, they're going to have basically a DLC pack for the game that updates it with season two content. Okay, right. But I, I, there is no indication that they will charge for that either. Yeah, because like I'm looking at some. So this is by um, a, a, a Texas-based company called Boston XP, and having a look at the games that they've made already, like there looks to be a lot of those sort bonus of bonus XP. Bonus XP, sorry. Uh, there's a lot of those kind of free-to-play type games mm-hmm. that you see at the front of iOS store. Um, so oh. God knows how they got this license. But I suppose at a certain point, Netflix don't really need the money. They're doing pretty good. So you this is... You think you charge a couple of quid for This it. is an interesting, like... It's basically viral marketing. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, it's we're dropping a game. And it's part of that. There's, like, a sneaky wave over the last few years of, like licensed games that have gone in a bit of an odd direction and to their benefit because you and I lived through the dirt worst period of like every big Hollywood blockbuster was getting the most half arsed video game adaptation. I, there was the, Oh my god. There was that like mid 2000s to late 2000s. Yeah, it's PS2, PS3 era. Um some people like the Harry Potter PS1 games, I hear a lot. I'm not one of them. Yeah. Uh, I like the Lego ones, but that's because the Lego games have a charm of their own. Yeah, but that's, you know, they're, they're, they've been refined yeah. to a polished sheen. Yeah, you know? that was like the kind of the, the point at which the paths diverged. Like, you've got the Lego games, which were doing their own thing, and were actually pretty good. Like, Lego have a good track record with licensed properties. And then, like, there were games that were just going the other way. I remember the... Do you remember those, the Paramatrix games? Enter the Matrix them. and the Path of Neo? Fuck them. I played the demo for Wolverine Origins, and was just like, uh, no dice. Mm. Um, I remember Iron Man was poor. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, the, the list is... I'd actually recommend, I think I talked about him and maybe this exact video on YouTube before, um, uh, on the show, but uh, The Completionist. Mm-hmm who is, um, tell you what, he's great for, like, the cliff notes when we're trying to research something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, if it's something I haven't played in a long time, because he fucking pl- tears those games apart playing them inside out. But uh, he did one on uh, Enter the Matrix, which was this idea of having a licensed game based on characters from the second and third Matrix movies that have their own B-plot in the games that is weaving in and out of the actual movies. So there are things referenced very loosely in matrix reloaded that are that happened in the game and and things like that and it was a cool idea fuck me did they not stick the landing um but yeah it's good to see uh the the, one of the ones i'm thinking of that was actually surprisingly great was the scott pilgrim arcade style game that was awesome yeah but that was very much within the tone of what oh that was yeah that was that's the only way you could do a scott pilgrim Uh, game but looking at the 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 press release they've put out for it uh, is like add characters to your party solve puzzles using their unique abilities lucas can nail things from afar with his wrist rocket Uh, nancy has a whole bag of bats to swing punch your way to answers with hopper who's uh, also not afraid to don his dashing yellow hazmat suit for a little upside down action Uh, basically complete the full VHS library check off all the achievements who knows what secret characters or exclusive never before seen footage of season 2 they might unlock yeah. so yeah. I mean honestly like I was just thinking about it, it like Stranger Things you could do a really like lazy um, 
Earthbound clone, and it would probably work <laughs> for Stranger Things. Yeah, you're you not know wrong. what I mean. You're not wrong, actually. Um, but yeah, that's really cool. Like, I hope it's I hope it's good. Uh, but you know, it's free, so well, like the the, the the trailer looked really cool. Um, yeah, and has that two D pixel art retro style mm. that you know. Uh, I've got a, I've, I've got the proverbial hat trick of uh, FIFA news stories right, here. Just running through. Wait me up in ten minutes. It's all pretty. It's all pretty quick, and it's not uh, getting too into the woods. So people were playing FIFA. I won't keep you long. Revelation. Um, I think from a, a games industry perspective, this is the most interesting point, Mark, and it shows really I think where the industry as a whole is going. And that FIFA, in spite of scoring first place in the UK charts last week, has reported that their physical launch at uh, at in stores is down twenty five percent from last year. Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> now, outlets and some EA people have misattributed this to the fact that uh, FIFA seventeen came out on a Tuesday, but FIFA eighteen technically came out on a Friday. Mm. My counterpoint to that would be the fact that yes, FIFA eighteen technically came out on uh friday but the vast majority of people who pre-ordered it got it on tuesday yeah uh, only people who got the proper vanilla standard edition had to wait till friday everybody else like because you'll find a lot of the market that will pre-order fifa will do the not necessarily the super deluxe version but the one that's only a tenner more because you get a bunch of ultimate team stuff I got the one that's a ten or more this year, but I got it because I wanted it three or four days earlier. You yeah, know? sure. Uh, could give a f- I, I'm on record as could give a fuck about the ultimate and team. I'm, but I'm presuming the Switch version is just the vanilla version. There's no like special edition. Pretty much, and that's actually reported to have serious uh, problems with internet connectivity this yeah, week. The yeah. servers are pretty on fire for that. But um, what I would attribute this to because FIFA is one of those things, kind of like Call of Duty, that to some extent. It's kind of, it doesn't really, the needle doesn't move on how many people buy it. Like, Call of Duty is starting to wane a little bit if you look at it over the kind of in increments of maybe five yeah, years. But, but the, it's like, it's still there is a slight difference in audience, I feel, but FIFA is always the consistent, you know? Yeah. Um, and and I FIFA is not Madden only probably. a consistent in terms of its audience size, but it's also consistent in terms of, it will consistently stay in the charts pretty much the entire year until yep. maybe a month or two before the new one comes yeah, out. It's pretty much that and Grand Theft Auto and I guess Minecraft. Yeah, yeah. You know? um, so what I would take from this, because there's no way was FIFA 17 so quote-unquote bad, uh, nor FIFA 18 so quote-unquote underwhelming in its uh, kind of ad campaign, that would account for a 25% drop-off. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're considering that over the last calendar year, console, like people getting on board with this generation of consoles, is also on the rise. Yeah. Uh, my take from this is that this is a digital, digital. thing. Absolutely. This is, this is yep. where it's going. Yep. For the last, this is my second year of uh, getting the game digitally. Um, because, again, a lot of FIFA players want to play it at midnight as soon as possible. Uh, and we're kind of starting to move away from you remember like it, it was a big thing the the midnight launches at stores and now it's really like our local one did one for fifa but it doesn't do it every year no um i the, reckon the, the next one it would do it for is well probably red dead red dead yeah, yeah red dead i think is the one uh they oh well call of duty they usually uh, do yeah, one for true. call of duty yeah. um 
they they used to do one for pretty much like they did one uh, for Last of Us. They did one for Bioshock Infinite. They did one for Watch Dogs, the first one. Yeah. They did it for FIFA every year, and the biggest one I ever saw in my local area was unsurprisingly Grand Theft Auto Five. Mm. Um, but yeah, this to me is a an indication that we're moving even closer to the all digital future. Uh, what kind of backs up my point on this is a note from the Eurogamer story that says Chartrack has noted that of the of the sales of FIFA 18 that count as physical because to count it as physical is you've bought the game in a shop physically, not that you've bought a physical copy of the game. So it's noticed that point of sale activation cards where you buy the card for FIFA 18, put in the code on the store and get the download. Those are on the rise this year as well. I, it's, Seems oh like no! Really no, no well, long-winded way of doing it. The market is for in, entirely for people like parents who don't know how to use the store, yeah. who are buying it as a present, or uh, conversely, people who don't trust storing credit card information online. Uh, yeah, that's that's entirely what that market is for. I only know that because I use that as a case study in teaching business. And in fairness, um, Sony, uh, it will, they don't it, have a great track record. No, no. but. Uh, <laughs> which is my uh, regularly scheduled reminder to everybody because they introduced it about six or eight months ago and it's now everyone's only a, there's two-factor authentication yep. on PlayStation Network now. Please do it because someone tried to get into my account earlier this year and someone did get into Brian's account earlier this year. Yeah. So be aware that people are going to try and brute force your password. So you need that two-factor authentication. Uh, authentication, should I say. Uh, in there anyway moving on to the 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 second fifa well the second and third fifa stories are wrapped up in one another and that was the the first patch came out this week sizable patch that's kind of you know with games that you can't really tell how the game is going to there's certain things you could when you're doing qa testing there's certain things you will actually you won't know until it's really being stress tested by the entire community yeah, uh, and you get like a million tickets come through saying, you yeah. fuck this up. It's almost like you've experienced that or something, mm, Mark. You... Anyway, uh, the first patch came out and the, the highlights of what it does is uh, turns down, uh, turned, uh, sorry, tuned goalkeeper reactions in certain situations. There was uh, reports that uh, on certain difficulty levels, keepers were basically just flapping at shots they really <laughs> in previous FIFA games. I think that was something that uh, Colin Mahern at uh, Video Gamer had noted that it was the easiest FIFA game in years for scoring proper goal of the month contenders in on fairness, the regular. On the demo, I'd been banging in quite a few yeah. from 30 yards out. And like. I know from hardcore playing FIFA that I can do those goals, but I can't even do them regularly, and I'm a hardcore player of that yeah, game. In, yeah. That's in previous seasons. EA will be very, very conscious of those kind of things because that has broken FIFA games in the past. Famously, in my recollection, FIFA 2004, I could score goals from nearly the touchline on the halfway <laughs> line. Like, out on the throw-in line, from the halfway line, I could curl a shot into the top corner halfway up the pitch. I remember, I can't remember which FIFA game it was, but there was one that me and Jack used to play a lot. And I every time I was at kickoff, I'd just bang the ball from the halfway line with just like absolute Hail Mary attempts. And yeah. I think twice I actually managed to pull it off. Mm. Um, It tuned down the difficulty for amateur and semi-pro. So people have been coming back the kind of like the... 
the, the casual players who don't play up on like I I play on either professional or world class difficulty depending on the the year, and uh, they were reporting that amateur and semi pro had been made a bit too difficult. Mm. Although I would expect, keep an eye out for that to be tuned again back the other way because sometimes there's an adjustment period where people yeah. like, aren't used I, to the way it I plays. I imagine you have a plenty of people uh, that play it for three months and then they leave it and then come back the next year to get the next one. So, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it also reduced shot accuracy and slightly increased goalkeeper reaction times in certain in-game situations, which again is going towards that trying not to score worldies every five seconds. Um, but the thing that... So for all this stuff that you are cool, they're fine tuning this. They came perilously close to breaking online mode with this update because one of the things that happened in the the update this week is so when you're playing somebody online, whether it's ultimate team or just online seasons, any of the modes where you're playing against somebody online, it was allowing you for the first time to see the player that was being controlled I did see about at that this. moment. You know, I'd never thought about this before as a thing. Yeah, this is know? a real kind of, again, inside baseball thing. But if you play the AI on the regular, the AI has certain patterns that you can predict. It's like any game. You can predict AI patterns, no matter how much thought is put into the AI yeah, well, in I mean, game. long. you play a game long enough. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. It's, it's muscle memory. Yeah. So if you know exactly what player is being controlled by your opponent online, it takes some of the competitive edge out because you don't know... If you don't know which player is being controlled, like obviously if they're on the ball, you know which player it is because it's the player on the yeah, ball. It's, it's but it's more ball. when they're not in possession. So if you're, if you're on the ball and you're running at your opponent, you will have a good idea what the AI will try and do in a situation. But you have no idea what an actual person will do because that person could be a fucking maniac. Or they could be a much better player than you. So you have no idea. And that's kind of what adds to the competitiveness of it is that you can't predict situations. Yeah, but if you can see which player they are off the ball, you just keep the ball as far away from them as possible. It's part of why if if I play FIFA locally, most of the time I will win against anyone I know. But if I play online, my win-loss record is all over the place because I don't like I just can't read the game as yeah. well. Um, also, the, the people who play that on the regular are fucking ridiculous at it. But yeah, so um, EA has um, they, they've it, it's a thing you can toggle. You can enable being able to see it and not, but that doesn't really affect you. Um, you know what I mean? That. Um, it's kind of like you're going on a good faith system that they haven't enabled us. <laughs> so it, it's kind of tough. Um, the the community apparently online on the AA boards are just on fire about this. Some people say it, it's great because it makes it feel more like the, the on-screen multiplayer. Some people are saying it's the worst decision they've made in years. Again, n- being part of this kind of thing, you're going to get... You you'll get you'll get some reasonable people who are like, oh cool, this is either this is a new thing, let's try this out. There'll be those that think, oh this is what I've wanted, and then you'll just get you know the the same twenty people that are the loudest, the most vocal that yeah. will scream and uh, shout. To I would I would expect long term to see this. If it does imbalance things, it will probably be patched yeah, out. It will probably changed. Um, but yeah, that's your that's your FIFA moment for the week on a link to the cast. Uh, speaking of updates, PlayStation Four firmware update five point was released this week, uh, coming in at a whopping three hundred and seventy four point seven megabytes. Um, biggest edition, 
come from, uh, this is from Eurogamer here, come from an esports push. And among them is the ability to form teams for games while outside the game. So you can kind of, like, if you're going doing your Destiny raid, without even booting up Destiny, you can set up your team for a Destiny raid. You're in your team, launch the game, and it's already set up. Do you know what game would it's be cool great to have thing. that? What? Splatoon. Yeah, damn right. We have some Splatoon news later, actually. Um, problem is, the only game supporting the feature now, uh, because it will be kind of gradually rolled out over the, the kind of the full slate of PlayStation games, are Uncharted 4 and Mantis Burn Racing. <laughs> what a weird two to start uh, with sure but anyway <laughs> uh teams can register for upcoming events can have customized names logos profiles can add display results on their own team page it's kind of like uh, having a uh, you know they have the gangs in gta online that's kind of what it's like it's to a me. whole bunch of stuff i don't care about it, but it's cool to but have hey, you know what i mean sure great whatever. Uh, teams can have up to 100 people and you can apparently be part of 60 teams at once which sounds confusing Team chat is built into that feature. So Actually, if the team is active, then you will automatically be in a team you chat. Know it'll which be is an... cool because that create party thing is dumb. Yeah. You know, it'll be another uh, great game if it ever does come to PS4. What? Pogba. <laughs> Can we still call the game Paul Pogba? Or sure. Paul Pogba? Why not? <laughs> uh, far more important is the new ability, which I like. To disable pop-ups while watching a film. Yeah. Uh, no more Minecraft has installed another update while <laughs> aliens are making first contact in the film. If you want to see how downloads are doing, you can now check them from the quick menu, which is the when you hold down the PlayStation button, the side menu pops out. Yeah. So you can check downloads from that menu now, which is also a new feature. Uh, if you want to see how... Uh, sorry. Uh, you can leave parties now from the quick menu as well, which is... Uh, I. The more party stuff that's shoved onto that menu, the better, because... Um, it is particularly frustrating on GTA Online to maintain a party because the servers there are mental and you'll just... I was trying to play last week with my friend Wayne. Uh, shout out to Wayne. And uh, I just kept getting booted from the party over and over again when it was taking too long to mm. load into a session on GTA Online. It was really fucking frustrating. So if I can have all my party stuff eventually on that snap menu and I don't have to come out of the game, go into the party tile... Yeah, it's Anything that you're doing in-game, you want to have, like, quick and convenient on the quick menu. That's exactly. the whole point of the quick menu. Yeah, it's exactly. quick. Uh, also coming in PS4 firmware 5.0, PS4 Pro owners, like me, can enjoy 1080p 60 frames per second Twitch streaming, which is very important. Like, I tend to... I don't watch Twitch streamers a lot, but if uh, Kind of Funny's morning show or Kind of Funny Games Daily are on, I'll, I'll, I might pop in on the background and see what Greg Miller is screaming about today. Mm-hmm. Um... There are new parental controls to police individual PS4 accounts. So one of the complaints about uh, PS3 accounts in particular, and it kind of spills over into PS4 generation, is that if you set parental controls, it sets it for the master account, so every account on it is parentally controlled. So you need right. to manually turn off parental controls to play GTA yourself. Okay. That was a, a thing that was quite annoying. So it seems now that they're kind of letting you go, right? So the sub-account, my child cannot play games where you're brutally decapitating yeah, people but yeah. i still can smart good yeah uh, seems like can... seems like a really weird thing that it's taken that long for that to be mm-hmm. a, a feature but you can also now create and customize friends list as long last so i could create a list of like you guys people i know irl or people i know from different facebook groups or things like that that have added me or from twitter that have added me that i wouldn't necessarily play with online but i like seeing their activity see one day i'll have more than like seven friends and that'll be a thing again that i will care yeah. about like i have way more friends than i ever interact with on there but it's only because like one of the things i really like about the friends feature is like comparing trophies and, and stuff like that 
Because, you see, you're not into the, the trophy game. Well, no, like, see, I the was... trophy on, sickness hasn't truly gotten to you yet. I was on the 360, like, yeah. achievements-wise on the 360. Chivos. Yeah, I was, Russell, I was awesome. very much a Chivo. Um, I don't know, there's... Is that a Pokemon? Yeah. <laughs> I, th- there's something about the way that the 360 was, like, you... It was a lot... It, it kind of put it there for you a lot easier to see, like, A, who was online, B, seeing their avatars... Um, and you would quickly, it made it a lot more convenient to actually just go and have a look and say, oh, let's see, what have they been playing? Or, you know, because you see who's online and you see their avatars kind of online in the wake. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, there was a lot more kind of doing the comparison sort of thing with, mm-hmm. with that, that I've, I've just, I've never gotten with Which is Sony. funny because, like, I got onto the trophy thing with the PS4 generation. And I, like you said earlier in the show, I have an Xbox One. Couldn't give a shit about achievements on there. But part of that is because... So, so few of my friends are on yeah, there yeah, so, friend of yeah. the show Tom and my friend Mick and Amo friend of the show designer of our logos they're I think my only real life friends on my whole Xbox friends list the rest of it is like Danny O'Dwyer and Giant Bomb and Dan <laughs> Reichert are friends of mine on there yeah. um, and like my list is just populated with like Major Nelson as well <laughs> you know like so not people I care Especially about the big hits. or people I've ever spoken to yeah. well we have spoken to Dan Riker I suppose technically uh, yeah, we have friend of the show I said he was a good lad <laughs> yeah indeed uh, but yeah cool like I, I'm all for adding even if like you said the, the 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 team stuff isn't anything you're interested in I am fully in favour of making the PS4 as customizable as possible because the more features you throw in there, the more compelling a platform it is and the easier it makes somebody's life. For every one of us who are sitting there and going, what the fuck is this team shit? There's someone going, ah, oh, finally, you know, because they're not making, they're not making these features for the fuck of it. They're making it because there's a demand somewhere on the internet for it. You know what I mean? <laughs> anyway, moving on. Uh, constant staple of E3s for many years. Uh, and uh, PlayStation boss Andrew House, who you will know as the kind of the the one of the 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 constant features of the the the, the guy with the the English accent in the Sony press conferences. It's just who are the the, the two UK based guys? It's him and Asak Kizilbash, isn't it? Uh, are the two guys sure. with English accents on there? But Andrew House is as recognisable up there with like Shu Yoshida and Sean Layden and and, and Gio Corsi. Uh, he is no longer with Sony PlayStation or Sony Interactive Entertainment. Uh, he handed the reins to his deputy, John Cadera, but will remain as director and chairman until the end of the year. And then it seems he will leave. It's not clear where House will toddle off to, nor what he'll do next. In a statement, he expressed a desire to pursue new challenges. PlayStation has been a huge part of my life for more than 20 years, but with the business having achieved record-breaking success, now seemed like the right time for me to pursue new challenges. House has been with Sony for donkey's years, according to this article, joining in 1990 and helping the launch of the very first PlayStation in 1995. Do we know which football team he supports? No. You're thinking it's going to be a Peter Moore-style situation? <laughs> uh, like, I was wondering, is it going to be like an Adam Boys thing, where he fancies getting back into more direct development yeah, side of things? Because be. Adam Boys went over to Iron Galaxy, of course, who kind of... Well, what was... They don't directly develop games, but they're more kind of like an incubator for... They're fucking weird. Yeah, like... I mean, Dave uh, Lang I think is just weird. Re- regrettably, the, the thing they're most famous for is that they were kind of left to try and clean up the mess of Arkham Knight on PC. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I don't know. I know, they, I know him they best also, for dive kick. They also do like yeah, dive kick is probably the the other one. And obviously, um, uh, Killer Instinct. Yeah, and Dave Lang's mouth is responsible for the Windjammers <laughs> Renaissance. Um, but yeah, I mean, what what is Andrew House's track record before Sony? Because I'm not. I, like sure. he's been there since 1990, exactly. so he's basically spent all his adult life yeah. at Sony. Yeah. But do you know that kind of experience working for a platform holder would be invaluable to a publisher or developer maybe maybe he wants to go and have a little break yeah you never know like he could be going doing something completely different but 27 years worth of experience in the the, the console space because if he joined in 1990 it wouldn't be i don't know if r&d had started on the playstation by then but it can't have started no, too long afterwards i don't think so because you had the whole nintendo and um Nintendo Sony. PlayStation. You have Nintendo and Sony having their conversation which wouldn't yeah. have been till like ninety two, ninety three. Okay. So he had been ninety two and ninety three. Well he was settled in it wasn't long after you settled in there anyway that yeah. the PlayStation began its its earnest R and D. But uh yeah, that's a a big hitter for Sony on the way out. Um but I, I understand, you know, the PlayStation is so firmly at the top right now in spite of some of the just egregious mistakes they're making mm-hmm. um, it's very WCW 98 yeah. you know in spite of like the Jim Ryan of it all who is having a banner <laughs> year for public statements um, if someone was pointing out like it is such a fucking like the cycle of whoever is at the top for a generation just becomes so complacent and absolutely fucks the transition to the next generation. See, this is the thing, right? Like PS2 were on top and fuck the PS3. Yeah. Xbox 360 was on top. Don Matrick just was just... And this is what I like about Nintendo because they so play to their own tune that they, you know, they have their own oscillations. They're just there. They're just there. Um, I I still think my favorite my favorite uh, Sony anecdote was uh, from uh, Brian Fantano uh, uh, Brian Fant- <laughs> Brian Altano. Let's go, Brian Fantano. You know, fictional character from Anchorman. <laughs> Brian Altano. That was a weird brain fart. Brian Altano from uh, IGN. Uh, said he was in the room when the PS3 price point got announced, uh-huh. which you remember was six. Was it six ninety nine dollars? Six hundred euro. I know it was 600 euro. I can't remember the dollar. I amount. remember there was a six in there somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So whatever price they announced, he said the reaction in the room, like the the kind of wet fart and laughter reaction in the room, he described it as like, they may as well have come out and said, this console will cost a million dollars. That's how ridiculous it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like... Although with that said, Apple will go and announce a phone that's over a thousand dollars. So, you know. But anyway, best best of luck to Andrew House, and as a as a side, best of luck to Brian Antano, who is uh, I saw on Twitter during the week is dealing with some awful rough stuff at the moment. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's a good egg, good egg. Um, but yeah, hopefully, PlayStation, you know, PlayStation have a bunch of executives there who are more than experienced. You know, like I said, Shu Yoshida, um, Geo Corsi, you name it. There's a, a heap of people there. They're not going to. They will. They will miss him. But I. I don't think this is necessarily rats office. Hey, look, trust me. Hey, with any company, you've got like however many people in at uh, the sidelines waiting. It's like the to... sand people. Take one down, two will take their place. Yeah, no. I bet there are some very hungry people in that company. Uh, we got a little bit of an update on Chucklefish's next project, the uh, Magic School themed life sim. Uh, it's a bit of an odd one, but. Uh, it's uh we don't know 
really we don't know the name we don't know what you really do in it apart from that it's a life sim we we don't know when it's being released at all um so new details have come out in an extended chat with pc gamer finn bryce ceo of chucklefish has given some insight into development as a uh, project spellbound uh, explaining that the project is one of the studio's larger undertakings at present with a staff of around nine or ten people and is at the still at the very early stage of what they predict to be a three to four year development cycle so don't be hoping that's a 2018 game right now there are a bunch of different facets in gameplay in the works according to bryce including magic crafting potion making and farming and there's a combat system inspired by nintendo's classic top-down zelda games which is going to pique the interest of one mark robinson hi there uh, while these are all subject to change, however, the larger overarching world stuff is more fully fleshed out. Bryce says that Spellbound's world is already entirely explorable minus a couple of areas and is populated by a cast full of characters. Uh, the decision to plot out so much of Spellbound's world so early on, suggests Bryce, can be largely attributed to the success of Stardew Valley. Uh, he said, I think the biggest thing we learned from Stardew Valley is that there's an inherent value in having a game world that's just charming to be in. Having you- a good game. Yeah, before you even start talking about gameplay and the mechanics and everything else, uh, am I in love with this game world? How do I achieve that? How do I put together a game that really hits home? And I, I think that's a very yeah. fair point to make. Like, you have all the tight mechanics in the world, but if you actually don't like being in that game at all, you're going to burn out on it pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, are you, you still kind of uh, keeping a watchful eye on this one? Um, or does the kind of the magic theme to it make you a little bit more apprehensive than... No, no, no. I mean, I, um, I just... You're not known for the love of fantasy and magic. No, this is true. Um, but for most things, like, even stuff like Cuphead, you know, I was curious about it. But other than sort of, like, trailers, I don't kind of obsessively follow, like, the development and production and whatnot. Yeah, you're not setting up Google News alerts. No, I just, I wait until they announce a trailer, I'll watch the trailer, I'll go, cool, Or wait until something else comes up on the show about it. Or that, yeah. Yeah. Um. So, but I mean, hey, look, yeah, I love Stardew. So, yeah, uh, although be the the developer whose name that escapes me at the moment, it's not the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The the man who actually made Stardew Valley, the Chuckle, he has come out and said that he is not related to Chuckle no. Project. He is working on an entirely different thing himself at the moment. No details. Whatsoever. And probably, you know, been keeping an eye on the port for for Nintendo, and... which we will be talking about momentarily, uh, yeah. my friend. Uh, Splatoon 2, keeping up with current affairs. It's going to settle the most divisive issue of our time in the latest Splatfest. And that is, do you front roll or back roll your toilet roll? (laughs) Over the top or behind? Oh, man. This is cool because, like, they're doing some really fun themes. Because wasn't there ketchup or mustard was was one? Ketchup and mayo. Or ketchup and mayo. And then it was uh, invisibility or flight. Yeah. And... I, you know what, just imagine being a fly in the wall in the meeting where they're going, right, what's the next Splatfest going to be? And someone had just come out of the shitter and was like, I got it. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, video games. Nintendo. Yeah, so I, I put they're this weird. in because there's a couple of really funny things in this article from Eurogamer where they said a history and a, f- and a filing from the US Patent Office seemed to suggest that the overhangers have it right. But the person writing this article still maintains that a rear flat bog roll is far more aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> and in the final detail that I really loved, this isn't the first time video games and toilet paper protocol have been inspect have intersected, of course. 
Ron Gilbert's recent point-and-click adventure, Thimbleweed Park, incited such furious passions when a scene was previewed in which a toilet roll was hung down wall side that Gilbert eventually included a roll-flipping setting in the options menu to keep everyone happy. <laughs> that's like I when, love video games so much. That's like when you've got a day's spare in production. You're like, right, what can I just fuck around with? Uh, um, driving game fans who uh, sided with PlayStation, your your drought is over. You, you, there will be people who have been looking longingly over at Xbox owners who are tackling with uh, Forza 7, with Forza Motorsport 7, which came out this week. It's actually fairly competitively priced at uh, different places. I was in Smith's, the, the popular toy shop, there this week. And uh, if you had pre-ordered the game, you got it for forty four ninety nine on Xbox. What? Like, and you could charge what... Like, people who are buying Forza are buying Forza, regardless of what fucking price you put on it. Yeah. Uh, now, there are a lot of reports that the uh, the microtransaction of it oh, all Jesus. has completely oh. fucked this game. And there are some urgent uh, retoolings happening behind the scenes. So Why I, do these fucking developers not understand? <sighs> Between that and uh, NBA 2K a couple of weeks ago, have you waded into that mess at all no not at all oh my god Jim Sterling did a video on it just, just I'm look sure at that. he did oh like, mercy if there is a game that ha- was released with money and then there were microtransactions uh-huh. I'm pretty sure Jim Sterling at some point has made a uh-huh. video uh huh um anyway god damn it um PlayStation owners can rejoice because Gran Turismo Sport the, the long awaited uh, next installment in the the illustrious series do you uh, know by the way I think I've spent since I was about 17 i've spent more time like knowing about a gt game being developed yeah then i've actually about that's a game they are known released. for their but in fairness when the games eventually come out generally speaking you can see where the time went in they're very <laughs> nice looking games yeah. yeah um so you're getting a, a demo last uh next week of gran turismo sport uh it will go live uh when what exact day is it uh, on monday next week from 10 a.m british standard time and will be up through the week until thursday at 2 p.m british standard time you can preload the demo as well which is pretty wild uh with that option going live from saturday morning 10 a.m british standard like, time i remember in my first year of university 2007 going to some gaming event where they had um the kind of car booth set up so you could play a demo of gt5 and i'm pretty sure i fucking graduated before that fucking game came out <laughs> uh the final news story of this week is the announcement from <sighs> nintendo this week that the wii shop channel will be shutting down in january 2019 which sounds far away but so did 2017 a minute ago from this article in polygon mm. getting the yucks in and that means that more than 200 virtual console titles will be unavailable for purchase alongside it Many of the Wii's virtual console games made it onto the 3DS and the Wii U, sure, but games like Kirby's Avalanche, Act Razor, and the original Super Smash Bros. remain unavailable on those platforms, leaving the Wii and the, their original consoles as the only place to purchase and play them these days. Oh, don't worry, I no doubt they're getting ready for the Switch. <laughs> when the Wii Shop channel goes, so will our ability to rediscover some classic titles that we may have procrastinated on picking up. Um, no, the saddest thing about this is that we'll be losing that song. Yeah, yeah. Are well, you, you see, I, I have very little, because the Wii is the one generation yeah, yeah, yeah. of Nintendo consoles I didn't buy. For me, I have a very, very nostalgic... That's probably, like, the latest period of time where I get a nostalgic tinge, but that Wii Shop channel music, mm. uh, it, oh, 
Still gets me in the feels. To me, like, I know people have made... There's a huge Reddit thread going on about this. People are, are quite upset about it. And I know that... Welcome to fucking online gaming servers, Yeah, et cetera, et cetera. there are people that are worried about the... The... Um, the kind of like what effect this has on the Wii Shop games that are ported onto like the DS and stuff like that, whether there's a knock-on effect by taking down this whole channel. My reasoning on just well, looking... no, that would surely just be a licensing thing if something gets taken down. That was exactly my thought, oh, okay, but people right, are still sure. worried about it because Nintendo, funnily enough, Mark, they're not known for their clarity. No. <laughs> <laughs> like when I picked up my... Fair. That is fair. A thing we actually didn't mention on the show this week is that I picked up my mini SNES... Oh, I got yeah, the sure. phone call and my I because someone cancelled the pre-order, I fell into the first release. Sure. And I picked up mine and just out of curiosity, just out of, because I knew what the answer was going to be, Mark, I asked them, has there been any information from Nintendo as to when the second wave is coming out? And the young and man in GameStop, he literally just shrugged at me <laughs> and said the words, October, I guess. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> Which this just, year. So peak Nintendo. Uh, yeah. Um to me though, largely speaking, by January twenty nineteen, my thought would be if you've had the Wii this long, you've probably already bought the games you're going to buy. Would it, you not think? It's look, I mean And giving them Okay. 14, 16 months of a head start on if there's any one of these two hundred games left that you haven't got yet. Look, Dave, there's always one. There's right. always one. Um, no, I mean, th- there is a fair point to make the argument about game preservation. Um, though I don't think it really exclusively applies for a virtual console port of a, a game from 1992 that was originally on cartridge. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it applies as such as like a game that was only released on uh, Xbox LA uh, on the, the live arcade uh, for Xbox 360. Yeah. You know, if it's only exclusively re- released there yeah. and then that service goes away, mm-hmm. fair enough. That's yeah. a fair point. Yeah. Um, At the same time, you, you do understand, like, from a business point of view, there's only so long can you keep pumping money into keeping those servers up. Of course, yeah. exactly. Um, it's your real kind of caught between the devil and the deep blue sea yeah, kind of thing. Um, but at the same time as well, like, if you've purchased a game, it's not going away. That game is still there. Yeah, it's, it's not just... like that time that... Um, did all the Marvel games started disappearing and yeah, people yeah. were licenses were getting revoked for that yeah. game that you couldn't re-download it if you like it's but I mean that's the that's the issue that you run into with anything yeah, that's yeah. licensed yeah. and that's just the way it's always been you mm-hmm. know um, here look I, I'm not going to say that everything that was on the Wii Shop channel because you know there's a, a significant portion of time that's over 10 years now we've had the Wii Shop channel I'm not saying everything that was on the Virtual Console for there will eventually appear on the Switch mm-hmm. but when they do start rolling out the Virtual Console for the Switch yeah. which isn't a if it's a when yeah you know um, oh, it's a license to print money fucking right it is of course it is and wish you you know I have purchased- no I'm never buying Super Mario World again <laughs> Never. I have it on the mini SNES now. I never... Okay. I, and I have it on the SNES. Are you at double digits with that game? No. Okay. You are? Um, no. Ocarina you're closer is, than I am. Ocarina... Probably. I mean, I've had Ocarina time on everything that is possible to have purchased that game on. You have it on the Wii U? Do you? Uh, I had it on the Wii U, oh, yeah. Sorry. I think I did. Yeah. Maybe. The only, sure. Nint- the only Nintendo 64 game I bought on the Wii U, do you know what it was? What? Donkey Kong 64. Okay. Because it was part of the first release, and I was just like... 
I'm going to pick up one of these games at random. I owned all of them. Didn't they like reduce a bunch of games for people that bought the Wii U on day one? Because I remember, because yeah, I, I think, think so. Chaz bought Super Metroid for like two quid. Yeah. Which is like, um, I, I, <laughs> I picked, price. I just picked, because I had all the games, but I just picked one at random to see what the port was like, if they'd done anything. And like, apart from kind of sharpening yeah, things just here or the there, yeah, and popping yeah. the colors a bit more, they hadn't really done it, but that DK. Uh, which, I mean, in fairness, because is... that was one of the, the, the last games, wasn't it? Cause that yeah, yeah, that was so... like 2000, 2001. Yeah, so that would probably be one of the better looking games anyway. Yeah, I believe I got that with, around the time I got Perfect Dark. <laughs> so it was quite late on. Um, yeah, yeah, sure, that would be the case. I got um, the, the inflatable DK banana as my... Uh, pre-order bonus with us good for you yeah yeah it's um, still probably in the attic somewhere i'm sure it is so yeah i look fucking just if it's if it's players bitching about something that is just completely not worth investing time in bitching yeah. about like do you know my i think the final thought on this like yes in an ideal world it would be really nice if this shop could stay up forever but at a certain point, you have to realize, like, when you deal in virtual consoles, it's not going to be forever. Because at a certain point, people stop buying the game. So keeping the shop up is There's a no final cost. incentive. Exactly. Yeah. Like, um, I would be fascinated to see how many games were purchased off of the virtual console on the original Wii in the year of 2017. You know? Yeah. I'm yeah. thinking less than 50,000. Mm. That's a rough guess. Yeah, yeah. Might, I might be way off, mm. but you know, um, I can't imagine they're making you know a lot of bank off of that compared to yeah. what they will make when it's out on the Switch. Yeah. So and like that's that Switch is still in such hot demand, and that's before they even put out Mario or the Virtual Console. I tell you what, like I, this week in that same visit to Smiths, I text you about this. I witnessed the Switch got restocked <laughs> the day I was in there, and fucking hell, yeah. like the the parents that were clearly in there going, "We don't know if we're going to see these things again before Christmas." Yeah. That were just like there was one mother who had two, who was obviously like either she has two kids. Or another parent heard that it was getting restocked, like fuck, I can't get off work. Like, like I, I honestly thought that they would be using the virtual console on Switch as um, like a kind of selling point up until Christmas, and just yeah. to kind of like add a bit of uh, weight to the the back catalogue for the Switch. But it's just not the At case the moment, anymore because of the demand for the console, and because it, like if the stuff for 2018 stays reasonably close to the dates they've set or the windows they've set. They're actually under no pressure because there's such a stream of smaller games. Coming well, they had out. a glut of eighteen and, games last week. Yeah, you know, there's such a string of smaller games coming out, and then on top of that, these tentpole releases like Zelda, Mario Kart, Mar- Super Mario, Splatoon, that every three months or so, there's a big Switch game. What's the next one after Odyssey? Um. Well, I suppose it's I, at some point in the far off future we've got Metroid Prime Four. Yeah. Well, next year we're supposed to have Kirby, Yoshi. I, I, are those really tentpole? I would say they. I'd say. I don't think Kirby's the 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 big. No, seller. I don't think it's a it's a system seller. But oh fuck, I know what's next. Xenoblade. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Xenoblade. There's a Fire Emblem game coming, isn't That's there? That's true. Monster Hunter. Is there a Fire? Is that not for DS or is there a Switch one? I think there's a Fire Emblem game in development. I don't think we've seen it yet, but I think they said something about there being a Fire Emblem game in development, mm. or at least suggesting at it. Okay. Um. So there, there is stuff. You know <laughs> there, what I mean? There are there games is, coming out for the Switch. Th- there is, and like we've still got. Presumably, I think the one everyone's waiting on is the um, the Smash 
Deluxe. That's a that's an open goal. Smash Brothers, the Wii U yeah. Smash Brothers Deluxe. I think a lot of people, myself included, would have put money on them announcing it like at E3 or for some release date before Christmas to have like the one two of Mario and Smash Brothers. You will. Well, can, units would fly. I off. mean, I'm not 100 percent certain, but I presume that within Nintendo, a lot of those people were people that have worked on Mario Kart and Splatoon and whatever. Mm. So you know, like they've been having to focus on getting those ready and, yeah. and for the Switch. There's so, also because we we found out that are they're in no rush. We found out that as well. This is my, this is my last point because this is going on quite a bit. But um, we also found out that if anybody, well, if anybody had been paying attention when that uh, Metroid Prime announcement uh, was done, there was the small print of it was that it's in-house at Kyoto. Yeah. Which means that the game Retro Studios have been working on for nearly three years now isn't Metroid. It's not Metroid. So that game is coming at some point. So what that might be, that might be another Donkey Kong game. That would be my guess. Um, Tropical Freeze is good. Yeah. I like Tropical Freeze. There'd be a game I'd like to see on the Switch. Yeah, anyway, yeah. let's just fucking... Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're going to move on to the, 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 the anchor feature here at Link to the Cast, and that is the... Oh, no, sorry. We're not yet, because we have one last thing to talk about, and that is the release date roundup. One thing in the release date roundup this week... Stardew Valley. Stardew Valley <laughs> is coming on Thursday. Uh, and this will be a race oh, against time for God. me. Oh, my God. Uh, because uh, I'm really hoping that it releases pretty early on in the day. Because when Golf Story came out, Golf Story didn't drop to like five in the evening. No, no, Golf Story was on the the shop about two o'clock. Oh, was it two o'clock? Yeah. Regardless, it's not midnight. No. Which I would prefer because I'll be getting on a plane very early on Friday morning and I'm busy for lots of Thursday. So the earlier they can drop Stardew, the better. But uh, finally, they just... Like, just just finish Golf Story over the weekend. Oh, no, I have, like, I have three games to get into over my whole weekend in Germany that aren't going to consume the battery too badly, and it's Stardew, Golf Story, and Pimbleweed Park. Okay. Right. I'm very excited for all of those. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Stardew Valley on Thursday. Just dropped it in a tweet, just went, yeah, it's out this week. It's just... It's my favourite. It's my... It's, you know what? It's what I call the Radiohead release. You yeah. know? Like, oh, by the way, In Rainbows drops, like, tomorrow. Boom. Oh, cool. Awesome. <laughs> That's my favourite kind of release. Um, anyway, now we'll move on to the Link to Cast Book Club, that central feature of the podcast every week, where we talk about an important game from the past that you either uh, should play for the first time or should pick up again if it's been a while. And this week, it's we're firmly in Robinson country as we talk about Peggle. Peggle is a casual puzzle video game developed by PopCap Games. Initially released for Microsoft Windows and Mac OS X systems in 2007, it has since had versions released for the Xbox Live Arcade, PlayStation Network, the Nintendo DS, Windows Mobile, iOS, Zebo, and Android. The game has also been ported as a Java application and an extended minigame incorporated into the massively multiplayer online game World of Warcraft. I did not know that. A sequel was released in September 2008, titled Peggle Knights. 
Inspired by Pachinko and Bagatelli, each level of Peggle challenges the player to shoot a limited supply of balls as a field of coloured pegs to clear up specifically marked pegs while attempting to achieve a high, school, high score through skilled shot planning. Special powers associated with a number of cartoon Peggle Masters can be activated to aid the player in this task. Peggle initially sold, slow, sold slowly, but was boosted by the inclusion of a specially designed demonstration in Valve's The Orange Box, and has since enjoyed over 50 million downloads from the internet. Both its release on Xbox Live Arcade and iOS have enjoyed similar success. PopCap, now a subsidiary of Electronic Arts, have announced Peggle 2 at the E3 2013 convention. Obviously, this article has not been updated because that game has been released since then. <laughs> Just talk to me. That talk to me. Um, <laughs> so I remember uh, my Xbox 360, and I had the likes of Gears of War, Viva Pinata, mm-hmm. played a bit of Halo. Um, but there was also the Xbox Live Arcade, and we've we've spoken about the the Xbox Live Arcade before, and how it was really the platform for a lot of these kind of smaller indie games and smaller casual games to see the light of day. And, you know, I had played Trials, um, Super Meat Boy, uh, Explosion Man, um, uh, The Boy in His Blob, uh, The More. Was it The Boy in His Blob? Definitely The More. Um, But one game that just ate into the hours so many hours there's a game called PopCap uh, now around this time as well um, Facebook was becoming a thing oh just around this time Facebook yeah well just around this time <laughs> Facebook Facebook discuss uh, around this time you had mobile games becoming more prominent with you know the iPhone exploding and obviously the ease and convenience of these kind of smaller casual games that people could play. Um, and we see over the years with stuff like Farmville and the, the many, many iterations of that type of game on mobile or on um, on Facebook. Uh, I think Mafia Wars was another big one as well. And there are a lot of these games that people who were not predominantly people that played video games could get into. Yeah. Um, and you know we classify this as casual games mm-hmm. and casual games is this three phrase that seems it's a mind f- it's a loaded term that but it also seems like a dirty phrase like if you're yeah. someone who's you know a hardcore gamer get that on a t-shirt yeah. uh the idea or the philosophy of a casual game offends you you know mm-hmm. uh, and i find that to be bollocks <laughs> to put that in a, a you know uh an intelligent way. <laughs> um, no, that famous Mark Robinson diplomacy. Yeah. Peggle is a piece of pure genius, is a goddamn masterpiece. All right. Um, the very simple concept of Peggle, as, as mentioned in the, the synopsis at the start there, is it kind of plays like Pachinko, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we know how big Pachinko is, just ask Konami. Don't ask Konami. Don't speak to Konami. <laughs> We're not going to the corner. Um, I'm always in the corner, man. Yeah. I'm just here in the shadows. At the top of the screen, you have uh, this uh, cannon. 
and you can use it to fire off uh, these small kind of pinball-like balls. Yeah. Uh, and you have uh, a massive, sc uh, the, the screen basically, uh, which is made up of these kind of pegs that are uh, not destroyable and you can kind of bounce off of them. And you have these different colored pegs. You have blue and you have orange. And the idea is that you want to clear the screen of all the orange pegs. That is the main goal. Yeah, um, yeah very, you know, you play the game once, you have completely understood what the point of the game is. Uh, as you get good at the game, you go from clearing the orange pegs to clearing all of the pegs. Yeah. Which is ultimate peggle. And that, my time, that, my friend, when you get to the end, if you clear all of uh, all of the peggles and um, what the hell is uh, Triple H's original theme? Hunter herself, the the, the classical piece. Um, oh, the Ode to Joy, is it? Ode to Joy, yeah. When you clear all the peggles and the scream, and there's an explosion of rainbows, and Ode to Joy starts playing. Yeah, it's one of gaming's greatest moments. <laughs> right, just putting it right up there. Regardless of whether it's on iPhone, whether it's on Xbox 360, on a 50-inch TV screen, it's it's a joyous moment because it's genuinely as well. While um, you classify Peggle and PopCap games in, in, at large as these kind of casual games, there is a challenge to Peggle, all right? Yeah. Um, now, in fairness, about 10% of that is made up of skill in actually uh, getting 100%, getting uh, an ultimate Peggle on, on any given level. And 90% of it is skill, uh, is luck, sorry. Yeah. Um, because, you know... To ricochet off of one peggle, to bounce off of a second peggle, to bounce off a third one, and try and kind of make this chain reaction to clear a screen of like the last four peggles with one ball left. Yeah. You know, um, either you've got one of the characters that has a special ability that kind of lets you foresee where the ball's, the trajectory of the ball's going to go, mm -hmm. uh, or you're just, you know, running off of blind luck. Um, to come to you. Let me ask you, what is your uh, experience with the world of the Peggle? So, I, to this day, have never played Peggle. You've never played Peggle? Never played Peggle. And that is this, itself this, is an achievement. This kind of falls into the, the, the kind of the, the narrative you're piecing together there. And that is the idea that not Peggle, but other games in that casual gaming genre poison the well for the kind of the, the sort of the... the, the the gems in in the the casual gaming sphere so when i th this game came out at the peak of we spoke of that period before kind of around the, the wii generation um where i wasn't playing a lot of games i was in college so i had a lot on my plate and i kind of stopped following the industry and stopped getting every tentpole like stopped getting every release i was interested in i was only getting like FIFA or if a Rockstar game came out, I was getting one of them. Apart from that, I was really kind of like at an all-time low with my my interest in video games. So when I saw a couple of mates of mine who would have it on XBLA, I was a PlayStation 3 guy, and that, that also contributes to it, the fact that XBLA was a smooth and enjoyable experience, whereas the PlayStation Network <laughs> was a fucking hot trash fire most of its existence in that generation. So when I looked at people playing that, to my kind of not tuned in eyes at the time, I looked at it and the aesthetics of it are so similar and because it has such a um, 
because it had such an influence on the game that followed it, the aesthetics of the game are very similar to a lot of trash in that genre. Yeah. But it's not because it's emulating the trash, it's because the trash emulated it. Mm -hmm. So when I looked at Peggle, not having a Mark Robinson in my life at the time who would go, (laughs) no fucking play Peggle, mate, uh, it kind of passed me by. Yeah. Um, So this has been kind of reading about it this week and, and hearing you start to talk about it now has been rather enlightening by comparison to what I had thought of the game before. Because there's, with PopCap, there's there's the big three that I think of. Um, there was Bejeweled, mm-hmm. and I played a fuck lot of Bejeweled as well yeah. back in the day. Again, another one of those names that I know of but have no direct... Yeah. Um, Plants vs. Plants vs. Zombies. Yeah, which has just become a license to print money. Yeah. Garden Warfare is still like one of the best-selling games on PlayStation 4. And what a weirdly mutated series from what that originally yeah. was as this kind of tower defense game to fucking... A shooter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's another great game as well. Like, the original Plants vs. Zombies is... is mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and this is the thing. And I, it, it's it comes back to the kind of, like, casual gaming, dirty word... Uh, perception of what you think that kind of game is going to be that it's going to be yeah. this trash fluff piece yeah. um and I, I think that's part of the function of this feature is to kind of just go maybe cast an eye back you yeah. know and not be as presumptuous as i was about what this game is because when it, you have that whole genre like i said of like farmville and things like that yeah i didn't want to get within a country mile and i'm exactly the, the same of, with of most of those games yeah. Um, because with all of those, and it's still the case to this day, they're just, they are literally there to be time wasters. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. They're just, it's chewing gum for the eyeballs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you know, there's a certain element of that with Peggle. I'm not going to completely yeah. write it off. But you can be that and be something more as well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But the thing with Peggle is it's like... In terms of the, the, the layout of the screen and whatever, like, it has a lot in, akin with, like, a bubble bubble, you know? Yeah. Uh, which is <laughs> Say that ten times bubble, bubble, bubble. <laughs> Which is, in fairness, like, a series that I, I think a lot of people have a lot of reference for, you mm-hmm. know? It's one of those kind of classic gaming series. Yeah. Um, and keep in mind, fucking Yahtzee. Yahtzee likes Peggle. Yeah. All right? This is the thing, like, I love Yahtzee, but my word... Do I have I always considered that man overly critical? Yeah, 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 you know what I mean. That is not an easy man to please. Yeah, let's not let's not forget that I think it was Arkham Asylum, one of the greatest games of his generation. I believe the the opening line of his review was, "Yes, yeah, all right." <laughs> <laughs> like I spent most of the review talking about the fucking cape. It's a good looking cape. It's a good looking cape. Yeah. Um, but even he can see that, like, look, all right, fair enough. It's a game that's made for how board housewives, whatever. But yeah, it's it's unashamed about what it is. Exactly, it yeah. makes no pretenses to what it is. You yeah. know, so it joins that rarefied air of games he has approved of, like Portal. Yes, yeah. that's Portal, mostly it. Peggle, <laughs> yeah, not Clive Barker's Jericho. Clive Barker's Clive Barker's Jericho by, by Clive, Clive Barker. Barker. Yeah, still one of my favorites <laughs> to this day. Um, and you know the the. So speaking about that and Bejeweled um, uh, and Plants vs. Zombies, and like you see what that did for PopCap, you know? Mm. They got fucking bought out by EA. Yeah. You know? Clearly, EA saw like what the, the potential that they could to, well, basically exploit it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, let's, and, let's not forget the, the time period. This was before uh, 
like EA started to turn their image around. This was back when they were still like the the soulless, yeah, kind of getting voted the worst company in the world. His Dungeon Keeper Mobile, yeah. his uh, his Roller Coaster Tycoon, but you know everything that you build, you have to wait twenty four hours for it actually. <laughs> Here's the Sims, but much worse. Yeah, so <laughs> that's a thing. Um, was it? Was it, they did a Sim City with DRM? Yeah, they did do that. They did do that. Yeah, <laughs> fucking hell. They did online passes. Oh, it was a real glory yeah. period oh, for that company. Bashing about EA now. <laughs> um, but one of the other things as well that I like about uh, Peggle is that it's not just okay. Clear um, all the orange Peggles, and you you kind of just use a bit of skill and a bit of blind luck. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have different characters that you can use that have their own different abilities. So you've got the unicorn. Or the horse. I think it becomes a unicorn at night. Don't ask. Um, <clears throat> that has uh, like when you bounce off the first peggle, it gives you the project the trajectory of where it's going to land next. Where it doesn't usually give you that. You've got the the beaver that when you um, uh, will fire two uh, balls at once. So you know you can try and aim for a higher score. Uh, there was. Um, I think I think it was an owl, or I can't remember. But there's one that gives you like an extra bounce at the end because obviously at the bottom of the level uh, is it's there's no floor. So the mm-hmm. idea is you want to try and clear as many pebbles as you can with the ball. Uh, but there is a um, like a basket that moves left and right, and so if the ball lands in that basket, you get a free ball essentially. Um, so you've got one character that will extend that out to either side basically, and you can try to ricochet off and get it back into the hole. Um, If you, one of the, the things about the game is that, and this comes kind of comes back into the luck as well, if you manage to, you know, ping off a couple of peggles and then the ball will kind of come down, it'll, it'll hit like a rim shot off the side of the basket, ping back out, hit a couple of peggles, come back down, land in the basket, and then you'll get like 15,000 points for a trick shot. Mm-hmm. Again, kind of one of those moments where you just feel like a king. Um, I could give you a whole bunch of different like scenarios like that. Um, honestly, it's, it is kind of pure, like going back to cocaine, it's one of those kind of pure kind of crack type sort of games where you just very Moorish and, or like snack games, you know, you just kind of keep coming back for more and more. Um, genuinely like playing it on mobile, you can play it for five minutes at a time where you just play a couple of rounds and then go off and do whatever else. Um, and, but I've genuinely had like four hour sessions just sitting there, just trying to rail through as many levels as possible. Mm. Um, it includes multiplayer, so you know you'll have like one level, and uh, you just try and clear as many pebbles as you can before your your friend has a turn, and they have to try and clear as many. Obviously, aim for the highest score at the end. Um, yeah, it's like in terms of depth, no, it's not a game that has depth. There is skill to it. You There's know, it's not a beautiful exploration of the human condition in Pale. Now, I mean, you could maybe look at it if you're really looking. You know. Um, you'd want to look though you want to look you want to look um but hey look you can ask friend of the show jack and he'll tell you exactly mm. Peggle, uh, it's just <laughs> is that your jack was it he'll he'll tell you that is that is how you say Peggle. <laughs> uh, Peggle, uh. i gotta text him and just let him know that no, he, he can look out for this impression this week. In fact, if you ask him how he'll say Peggle, he will say exactly like that. Yeah, so this so. is the first time in recorded history that Mark Robinson, Master of Accents, has nailed one. Yeah. Fair play. I mean, you know, I've known him most of my life. Elevator pish. Um, oh, Jesus. 
I actually have no idea how much that would be going for on um, on mobile at the moment, but like one of the, the 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 clear cases of yes, this is a casual game, but that doesn't mean that there's no. Uh, it's not like that kind of soulless vacuum of just it wants to take your money. You know, it's not that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's hate. You you pay for the game, and the game is theirs for you for you to enjoy. Um, and it's kind of like that thing with say like Picross, uh, Picross, where you know you, you're doing the same thing over and over again, but there are like slight changes. Um, but there is actual kind of progression and like difficulty spikes with the the level design because you know the layout of the peggles changes with each level. Um, and certainly towards the end of the game, you know, you're dealing with like obstacles and barriers that get in the way and you have to time it. And there is a, a considerable challenge and like actually defeating Peggle yeah. um, and, you know, certainly trying to get 100% on each level is uh, is no small feat. Um, so, yeah, Peggle, great game. One last bit of business for episode 85 of the podcast, and that's for me to take my turn to uh announce the uh the game for next week and the game i'm going to talk about next week uh, is not only a pivotal game for for both of us i think in some ways but also takes us back to a really interesting time in gaming history i think Uh, and that is kind of like the the nascent embryonic days of what would later be known as the console wars and one of the the interesting things about the console wars period where you had the big two uh nintendo and sega at each other's throats and then kind of playstation coming in later uh to try and kind of carve out their section of the market was uh one of the one of the the ideas that preoccupied the the big two during this uh era was the concept of having a mascot you know this this kind of brand character who would be synonymous with Nintendo synonymous with Sega and Nintendo in some ways fell into Mario who we we talk about uh, a lot on the show whereas Sega took a couple of swings to nail it from a marketing point of view it was a while before they hopped on a certain hedgehog mm-hmm. um and i want to talk about one of the uh, the the early attempts to create a, a mascot uh, on sega with a game that we both have uh, a soft spot for i want to talk next week about alex kidd <laughs> in miracle world <laughs> the first game i ever played is it yeah ah, yeah we, I, i'm on record on the show saying what mine was I? I think so doom Oh, cool shit, mine. sorry. Yeah, but Alex Kidd, not far after, because I do still have my Sega Master System 2 outside with Alex Kidd and Miracle World built into it. But we'll talk more about that on episode 86, Alex Kidd in Miracle World. That is going to do it for Link to the Cast for this week. Um, as I've uh, said before, this podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and most podcasting platforms. Just search for Link to the Cast on there. Subscribe to us, rate, review, tell a friend. It all helps. Apparently, it was National or International Podcast Day recently, um, uh, which is, a, I, I guess, a thing now. Yesterday was National Boyfriend Day, so everything just gets a fucking day now. But regardless, whether it's National Podcast Day or not, just tell a friend about Link to the Cast. Help them out. Help us out. 
by helping them out. The website is linked to the cast.eu if you want to check out show notes, the periodic articles that we do. If you want to get in touch, the email address is linked to the cast at gmail.com. Social media, the most reliable and speedy way to hear back from myself or Mark. Facebook.com forward slash link to the cast or at link to the cast on Twitter. Individually, I'm at Dave Ryan IV. Mark is at Lithium Project. Sometimes we stream games over twitch.tv forward slash link to the cast. Archive them later on YouTube. Uh, we're kind of in a, a, a season hiatus on all of our YouTube shows at the moment, but the usual Monday to Friday schedule, I'll just rattle through here now because we don't have a this week's episode up, but there's plenty of archived content for every series. Monday is Mark on Mondays, which is Mark's solo series where he plays through uh, something. If only we could actually figure out how to get good uh, mic audio on Xbox One streaming. We yeah. probably have done Cuphead. I mean, it would probably just be me screaming. Yeah, just on <gasps> so yeah, maybe... be a good Mark on Monday series would actually be me doing play-by-play on you playing <laughs> Cuphead. That would be very interesting. Wednesday uh, is usually Retro Corner 64, which is where we're chronologically playing uh, every single N64 game released in English-speaking territories. Thursday is the day this podcast drops, uh, an hour and a half, two hours every week. It's the only thing that drops that day because it's, it's plenty of content for one day, quite frankly. And Friday, we finish off the week with Friday Plays, my solo series, where I'm playing through something I, I'm interested in. Um, and we'll be, we'll be back on that stuff kind of in a, in a couple of weeks, I suspect. We're... Um, sort of the schedules have been a bit all over the place mark and we're both kind of i think starting to once i'm back from germany i have no real kind of distractions on the horizon and you're kind of settling into your new schedule so we'll probably Mm -hmm. pump out some more regular content there on the the youtubes but uh look forward to checking that out anyway that's going to do it for episode 85 of the link to the cast i've been dave ryan man over there in the armchair has been mark robinson and i'm just going to go recline in our new couch now we'll see you next week i'm going to go to chinese oh yeah